This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome into a Flames game day edition of Hockey Central here on Sports at 960. I'm Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. And we've got lots to tee up between the Flames and Detroit Red Wings game that's coming up tonight. Puck drop at 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock. If you are in Detroit and listening to this on, on your favorite podcatcher or listening to this on demand, uh, Calgary Flames taking on the Detroit Red Wings at 5 o'clock at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. We're going to tee that up with Peter Klein, who works for the Daily Hive and the Steve Dangle Podcast Network in Calgary. Uh, he's going to join the show momentarily. And then later in the hour, Max Boltman. He covers the Detroit Red Wings for The Athletic. He's going to join us to scout the enemy, tell us what we need to know about the opponent. But before we get to all that, some news that came out just before the show. The trade call is official. Vladimir Tarasenko has been traded by the St. Louis Blues to the New York Rangers in exchange for a first-round pick and Sammy Blay. The full deal is as follows. The New York Rangers receive Vladimir Tarasenko at 50% salary retained on his $7.5 million cap hit. That's significant. And Nico Mikola, a, a pretty good young, he's 26, blue liner from the Blues, is also going to the New York Rangers. And then St. Louis is getting a conditional first-round pick in 2023, a conditional fourth in 2024, Sammy Blay and Hunter Skinner. Now, Sammy Blay is a bit of a cap dump in this deal. His $1.5 million is going to get off the books for the Rangers. And Blay was acquired by the Rangers in the Pavel Buchnevich deal. So he's going to go back to St. Louis. It's not a huge cap dump, but $1.5 million off the books helps, especially when we're talking about this flat cap era and environment that we've been in for a while. To me, this looks like some pretty good work by the New York Rangers. Vladimir Tarasenko had a full no trade clause, so he would have needed to waive that protection for this deal to go through. He's a pending unrestricted free agent, and we know that he made a trade request to Blues general manager Doug Armstrong, I guess just under two years ago. Now he's finally going to get his wish, and the fact that he waived this uh, trade protection to go to the Rangers makes me wonder if there could be some contract talks between him and the Rangers, especially considering the Rangers gave up a first-round pick in this deal. Uh, getting Tarasenko in team control would probably make that a bit more palatable. Of course, we know there's not a ton of gifted goal scorers always on the market, so first-round pick isn't all that surprising that that's what changed hands, but we already saw Bo Horvat get traded and extended by the New York Islanders. So I wonder if we're going to see something similar with the Rangers and Vladimir Tarasenko. The fit makes a lot of sense to me with the New York Rangers. It seems pretty simple. The Rangers have jumbled their lines constantly this season, looking for the right mix, specifically in their top nine. Uh, Tarasenko would fit very well on the top line right wing next to Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin. That has the potential to be a pretty dangerous top line in the East for the Rangers down the stretch and into the postseason. 
Tarasenko's production is down a bit this year compa- compared, excuse me, to his 34-goal, 82-point season last year. That was in 75 games, by the way. Um, but Artemi Panarin is one of the best passers in the league. He's one of the best at making passes into the slot for his line mates. So it's easy to imagine if you put Tarasenko and his gifted scoring ability next to somebody like Artemi Panarin, there's going to be plenty of goals for the Rangers. So that's the big news of the day. I think as it relates to the Calgary Flames, it's interesting. I know there was some some fans, some media. You know, we always have our draft boards. Everyone looks at who could the Flames be targeting, and Tarasenko was somebody that was brought up in terms of the Flames could target the sky. They need some more scoring within their top six. He could fit that mold again, a 34-goal campaign last season. We can scratch him off the list of the Calgary Flames trade boards that we've been creating leading into the deadline on March 3rd, so less than a month away. What's also interesting about this deal is it kind of kills all the Patrick Kane to the Rangers speculation that's been going on. It's hard to imagine the Rangers swinging a Patrick Kane deal as well, and and this was from Emily Kaplan just before the show as well. According to her sources to ESPN, the Rangers targeted Tarasenko and decided to go for it after feeling the asking prices for Timo Meyer and Patrick Kane were too high. It also sounds like the New York Rangers had some concerns over Patrick Kane's hip injury. So one of the things that I'm thinking of when I see this deal is how much is Timo Meyer going to cost? He is a younger, better player in team control with with some term left on his deal uh how many picks and players are going to be changed hands here if and when timo meyer gets traded that's something that i'm definitely looking at here but as mentioned it is a calgary flames game day the flames taken on the detroit red wings at five o'clock in detroit tonight so let's go to the atlas pizza guest hotline and bring in our first guest of the show it's peter klein He is a writer for Daily Hive, a co-host of Game Over on the Steve Dangle Podcast Network, both in Calgary. Peter, thanks for joining the show. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Uh, Just going to go over a couple little news and notes here that we need to be aware of from the Flames Morning Skate in Detroit. No Rasmus Anderson tonight. He's listed as day-to-day after being hit by a car while going to dinner on his scooter last night. He is now out of the hospital, and the Flames say he's doing okay, which is obviously some very good news. Uh, Bradtree Living confirmed that no alcohol was involved in the incident, um, and I think you know I, most of us should be able to agree we're just glad that Rasmus Anderson's okay. He has you know, a wife and a, and a kid at home. So everyone's glad that Rasmus Anderson's out of the hospital and doing all right. Uh, him not being in the lineup tonight does put an end to his Ironman streak of 323 games, which was fifth among active NHLers. Dennis Gilbert has been recalled. Looks like he'll slot in on the third pair with Michael Stone. We'll get a return to the Hannafin Tanev pairing together and then Zadorov weaker as well. And Dan Vladar is the projected starter. That's kind of what you need to know 
from the Flames from the morning skate in Detroit. I mean, Peter, when you look at this matchup, let's let's start here, and then maybe we can dig into a bit of uh, deadline stuff within this uh, within the context of the Tarasenko deal. Uh, but it is a game day. Flames take it on Detroit. I mean, what do you think of this matchup, especially knowing, uh, you know, the blue line's going to be a bit jumbled tonight, uh, but the Red Wings, they've taken some steps forward, but they're not, you know, necessarily a contending team at this point. So what do you make of, of this matchup tonight between the Flames and Detroit? This is These types of matchups always interest me with the, the Flames, and specifically with this year's version of the team, because – this is a team that if you match how hard the, the Red Wings work, you should beat them rather handily. Like you, you have a talent edge and thus if the, the work ethic is the same, you should probably win this game. And it's one of the things we've talked about with this Flames team for a little bit. It's if you fancy yourself a playoff team, which the, the Flames should, uh, although literally as we sit right now, they, they are not one. Um, but if you fancy yourself a playoff team, this is the type of team you should beat. They should maybe give you a bit of a uh, moment. But aside from that, you should beat the, the Detroit Red Wings. Now, we've seen the second anyone gets plucked off of the, this blue line for whatever reason, and uh, definitely echoing your sentiment that happy that Rastus Anderson is okay, you, you hear hit by a car, and that doesn't necessarily lead you to a lot of positive outcomes. So happy he is, he is doing okay. But the, the second you take anyone out of there, it seems like things crumble rather quickly. So I'm interested to see how this team handles things defensively this evening, uh, going up against the Red Wings team. Like you said, they're improved, but shouldn't be a problem if the Flames are as good as we think they are. The Red Wings are definitely one of those teams that you need to keep an eye out for. Like, they at least have an identity they might not be the most skilled team. I mean, they have some skill up and down their lineup. I mean, you've got, I mean, Zadina's going to be in the game. He's maybe not one of the, the ones that you circle in terms of, wow, that's a ton of skill coming at me. But Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi's playing better post All-Star break, although it has been a pretty small sample size. The All-Star break did just end. Um, but there's some guys you got to keep an eye out for. Lucas oh, for Raymond. Sure more at cider, but they work very hard. Like, I'm with you. They're they're a team, like, the Flames should have more talent and skill on paper and on the starting lineups against the Red Wings, but they've got to match that work. And I totally, hope you yeah. can see that from the Flames, because that's something we haven't seen consistently from Calgary this year, has it? No, no, and it's been very frustrating, because you see a few games, where uh, a team is maybe lower than the Flames in the standings, and you come out of that game like, oh, well, the other team worked really hard. Like, that shouldn't have mattered. And, and with Detroit, like you said, like, there is some skill, and I think this is a Red Wings team that even next year is going to be a real problem in the, the Eastern Conference and are going to keep improving from there. Like, the, the arrow is definitely trending up for this team, but just simply, well, golly gee, they worked hard shouldn't be enough to, to beat the Flames tonight. But we, we've seen it happen in the past where it's almost like they, they get a briefing. Where's this team? What? Oh, 12th in the East? Ah, we'll be fine. And then it's 3-1 <laughs> to one, 10 minutes into the game, and you, you start to have a bit of a panic, and you're looking at Cap Friendly to see, hey, could you trade Huberto? Like, there's, it, it does kind of send you <laughs> on a spiral with this team because it, you just you don't know what you are getting on a night-in, night-out basis. It has been one of those years where there's been some inconsistencies, and I'm curious your thoughts on on this last game against the New York Rangers. It was one of the most fun games I've seen in the league at all this year. It's definitely the best game I've seen the Flames in this season in terms of the intensity. Um, you know, they come back from behind. There's hits. There's fights. 
you know, they only get one point out of it, but that was a great game. And, and you kind of hope that that can serve as, you know, a, a jumping off point for this team with their final 31 games this season to kind of climb themselves back into a legitimate playoff position. Yeah, it, the, the one reason why I have a bit of hesitation is because this is about the ninth time this year it's been, hey, you know what, this is the one the Flames can build off of. Um, like, it, it just feels like we, we've had that a few times this year. But you watch that game, and I, I completely agree. Like, th- this is this is what this team could be, right? Like, they were able to keep up with a, a Rangers team that I, I think got quite better today. Um, but the, they were able to keep up with the Rangers, a team that has a lot of offensive firepower. They had a lead at one point, but they th- there was some big hits, and people – answer to the bell for lack of a better term and there was some adversity on a couple of times where you fall behind and they were able to to battle back like they checked a lot of boxes that you want to see this flames team do i I just want to see it for more than one game in a row i I would i I will for now settle for two and we'll we'll see where we get to but you're like because you you nailed it like that this should be a game they build off of but so should three other games that we had even in december like that there's there have been a few of these this year where it's okay. This is the jumping off point, and they they never just seem to jump. They kind of just fall and stumble awkwardly. <laughs> That's right. Uh, let's look at the trade news from the day. Vladimir Tarasenko gets traded to the New York Rangers from the St. Louis Blues. I know some fans and media have looked at him as a solid target for the Flames, given their need for another top six scoring winger. Do you think? the flames should have maybe you know made a made a push for tarasenko and and it's tough because we don't know exactly what might have happened behind the scenes we know that brad tree living will never talk about a deal that did not happen that's kind of been his mo but you kind of look at the return and think huh could the flames have maybe been in on some of this action because the return was you know just okay you know i think the rangers win this trade yes absolutely um and yeah i i you, you see, like, the, the reports start to trickle in. Okay, Sammy Blay is in this, and there's going to be a first-round pick in it. And then you, you keep waiting for the and then, and it just it never showed up. And, I, like, I, I, I agree with what you were saying at the, the start of the segment here, where you see this and say, okay, the, the haul for Timo Meyer is going to be huge. And I also don't think that that's going to be necessarily a bin that the Flames are going to be able to, to be shopping in. If they were going to get one of the guys who might be able to make a difference on this team, this looks like it could have been their best shot because I think anyone else who's going to be available who can make a real substantial difference is going to cost more than this. And I understand Tarasenko has fallen off. He is not Vladimir Tarasenko in capital letters on the marquee that we know from a, a few years ago, but he still has uh, an offensive weapon, or he still is, sorry, an offensive weapon, that this Flames team just simply does not have enough of. They, they fire a whole lot of shots, and God bless them for it, but there isn't a whole lot of danger coming from those shots. Tarasenko is still a player who can, to steal a basketball term, he can still score from distance. He can still, that that wrist shot scores from a lot of different places in the offensive Mm -hmm. zone. I would suggest most of them. The the Flames, (laughs) we saw to fully do that the other night, but the Flames don't have a ton of that. You have to work really, really hard to score a goal for, for the Flames. Tarasenko makes life a little bit easier, and I just, I feel like he is someone who could have made a difference. And you see the, the hall and you see what it's going to take for a, a Meyer or a Patrick Kane, who for non-hockey reasons, I wouldn't want anywhere near this team. But I, I look at what those, those returns are going to be. And I don't think the flames are going to be in on them. And that's why I think this one maybe should have been, I don't want to say pushed for a little more because you're right. We don't know 
what else is going on behind the scenes. But this feels like one that may have got away for the Flames because anything else they're going to be able to afford and actually get is going to just be one of those nibbling on the edges moves that takes the team from being ninth to seventh. So they just lose to a not quite as good team in the first round. I think we need to consider, too, that Tarasenko did have some control over the situation, given he has a full no-trade clause. Like, he has some pretty solid trade protection, so it makes you wonder, like, would he have waived that protection to go to Calgary? Not sure. And did he provide the Blues with just, like, yeah, Rangers? (laughs) Here's, (laughs) Here's my list. Yeah, no, if, if you're looking for the, the bright lights in the big city of New York, I can see where Calgary potentially falls short on that. And so, and you're right, like, Bradford Living calls on everybody. Um, like, the, the, there is not uh, a deal in the league that I think Bradford Living just, oh, I didn't know that was happening. He, for, since he started with the Flames, um, he has been someone who has been in on everyone. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not suggesting that he just like, oh, wait, Tarasenko is available? Oh, missed that one. <laughs> yeah. um, because I, I'm sure. And there, we've seen this last offseason, people tend to leave this place. It's, it's not high on a lot of lists. So that, that certainly could be something that kind of gets in the way of a, a deal for sure. And if that was the, the, the factor, then absolutely. But it, it still felt like a return where it's like, oh, there's not going to be many guys who actually make a difference you could get for that price. So we know that some of these other players are going to become quite expensive. Like, I can't wait to see what the Timo Meyer Hall is. I can't wait to see Patrick Kane, even Jonathan Taze, even Ryan O'Reilly. Like, some of these guys are going to get some pretty big returns at the deadline if they indeed end up changing teams. I guess the question when it comes to the Flames, now that we can scratch Tarasenko off the trade board, like, what is a realistic trade target for the Calgary Flames when we're looking at the forward group like do we actually see the Flames trying to find you know someone they could go around the edges with even though we know that their need is probably in the top six at worst a top nine like a third line player um and I wonder too if if Jacob Peltier has kind of become the answer as well it's only been five games but maybe if he starts playing well then you don't have to address the forward group I don't know if there's like a realistic trade target on the market right now that's not going to cost far too much for the Calgary Flames. Right, yeah, because like Timo Meyer is the, the apple of everyone's eye, and rightfully so. And you think of him and Daryl Sutter's system, and oh boy, does that seem like an awesome thing. But like from a, a draft and prospect and whatever standpoint, from a cap hit beyond this year's standpoint, um, n- none of it makes sense. So from a realistic standpoint, Max Domi feels like the the type of a player that they could be looking for. Um, Anthony Duclair has been rumored to be coming to the Calgary Flames for about eight years now. Um, (laughs) Duclair just makes so much sense that you just know it's not going to happen. Oh, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I'm sure anyone who's played NHL 23 has got him on the Flames at some point because it it does. It makes a lot of sense. Um, (laughs) Almost too much sense. But I, the thing that I get concerned with with that is because you brought up Pelche and the, the thing that I, I get concerned with, and we've still seen a couple of games where Pelche is elevated in the lineup. He is playing effectively. We are all happy about this. What I get concerned about is if the Flames bring in another forward and there is a decision to be made between, okay, should we take this young kid out of the lineup or Milan Lucic out of the lineup? I just have a feeling I know where Daryl is going to go, and that concerns me. And then you look at the, the upgrade between a Duclair or a Domi and a, a Pelche, obviously – significantly larger sample size, but I don't know if it is like that there is an upgrade. 
again, I don't know if it's enough to push the Flames into any kind of difference maker category. So I, I think Duclair and Domi probably make the most sense for this team. Then you get into, well, whose spot do they take? And I, I get worried about the answer of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some lists that are more of like, here's some of the under the radar bargains for contenders to consider. And, and some of them are kind of interesting, like an Alexander Barabanov. Like if you can't get Timo Meyer, maybe you get, maybe you look at that. I mean, he only has a $2.5 million cap hit for this season and next. So we know that Bradtree Living doesn't love the high cost rental. So maybe that's kind of a, a meet in the middle. But I think Max Domi is someone who he's changed hands at the deadlines multiple times. And it's not always, it's not a high cost. I think the Carolina Hurricanes, it was a three-team deal last year with Domi. And there was a six-round pick and a prospect involved in that one. So we know that Max Domi is not someone who's going to cost a whole lot. Um, but some of these under the radar boards are they're okay <laughs> they're, they're fine it's, it's yeah, all right they're, they're Nick Benino, sure yeah um but yeah I, I think that there's that there's one that I, I keep coming back to and there is there is no way it would happen and so I'm just throwing out whatever's on on the the, the radio now <laughs> if the, the flames and oilers ever actually came together Yessi Pugliarvi, for whatever reason, I still haven't figured out why he hasn't fit in Edmonton. I think he'd be perfect with this team. He's young. It's $3 million. Again, I don't think the Oilers and the Flames, whilst both competitive, are coming together on that kind of a deal. But that type of a dude, like a little bit younger, um, maybe hasn't necessarily got the, the look or for whatever reason, maybe that's the type of home run swing you take. But again, we've seen the Flames try to do that. And then it's Curtis Lazar or something like that. So it's like, like I just said, they're under the radar for a reason, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. Um, Elliot Friedman has connected the Flames to Luke Shen. I think we've seen that from a couple insiders now. What do you think about Shen as a trade deadline acquisition, maybe moving from the forward group now to the blue line? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, you, you look at you, you, um, you look at today, for example, you can see that Weird things can happen in life, and all of a sudden a defenseman may be day-to-day uh, with an injury. It's not just, oh, he took a puck off of the shin. It's, it's real life that can sometimes get in the way, and we've seen a lot of that over the last three years here. Um, and so you, you definitely need depth on the blue line, and Shen fits for so many reasons. There isn't a defensive system in the National Hockey League that he wouldn't fit in. Um, his salary cap hit makes him very attractive. And so I, I look at it from a Flames perspective, and it, it just it checks so many boxes. And you, you start to rely on guys who are playing every night who maybe shouldn't be. That starts to go away a little bit. And it just it's, it, it's something that uh, Peter Labardi has talked about a, a long time um, while I was there, and I, I'm sure he, he still brings it up. Everyone just slots better if you bring a, a Luke Shen um, into your locker room. The, the, once again, how much is it going to cost? Because as much as I love Luke Shen and I just gushed about him, uh, I'm, I'm not giving up a first-round pick for him, again, given where the Flames are. If they were second in the Pacific and making a push, sure. Um, but right. given where the Flames are, that, that does concern me a little bit. But, yeah, he like if you can get around the this might hurt a little bit when you see how much they gave up, then player-wise, it fits perfectly. What would you be okay giving up for Luke Shen? I, it certainly would not be a first. Um, and I know I'm not answering the question, uh, but I think for, okay. from a Flames perspective, I, I would squint and I would eventually be okay with the second round pick. 
if you had to throw in uh, a kid from the Wranglers who I've barely heard of, by all means, go for that as well. <laughs> um, I, I think if you wanted to go second round pick plus a, a young kid, then then by all means, go for it. You're starting to then get a little bit thin you know, when it comes to, to draft capital this year for the Flames. They don't have a third. They don't have a fifth. So if you could ask pretty, pretty please if Vancouver can make it a 2024 first, uh, second round pick instead, maybe you, you do that. But I, I think that from um, a Flames perspective, uh, a second and uh, a kid wouldn't be a, a bad idea, for, from my point of view anyway. Mm-hmm. Luke Shen does make a ton of sense, and he's somebody that people have been kind of circling as like, yeah, this is kind of the perfect deadline <laughs> defender for for most contenders right he brings a lot of of what people covet right in terms of you know he's won two stanley cups he's big he's physical he's good in the room he's a good leader uh his his salary is nine hundred thousand dollars this year and his cap hit is eight hundred and fifty thousand that is very attractive i think the worry with a luke shen because of all of those things is that the price to acquire him could end up driving up just due to simple supply and demand how many guys like luke shen are available for well under a million dollars not many so we might end up costing a little bit more than you're okay giving up for for you know who would end up being probably a debt defender yeah exactly right like the the, the that salary cap hit just because you look at everyone else who's on uh, any kind of trade list it's guys who are at four million dollars right like jake mccabe's name is coming up um he's at four million dollars i would much much rather have a Luke Shen at 850k than uh, a Jake McCabe. Um, and but I mean, like th- this is the defensive market right now. Like th- there was talk a little bit ago that the the Oilers were going to go big on a Joel Edmondson who it, like peaks at yeah he's fine. Um, but like <laughs> that that type of a guy is going to get potentially a first round pick for the the Montreal Canadiens. And I just I look at it from a, a flame standpoint and salary cap wise again. <laughs> I feel like anything we bring up, ah, but they can't afford it. Um, but you, you look yeah. at it for the Flames. If you're going to give up a first-round pick, you may as well throw in some prospects that Daryl may not play anyway and just see about a Jacob Chikrin. You know, like if, if you're going for a first-round pick, I would, I would much rather, like, just give her a whirl and go with the, the younger kid than, yeah, you know what, Luke Shen's fine. Like, I, I would rather do that, you know? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, a few more minutes here with you, Peter. And Peter Klein is joining us now on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. If the Calgary Flames are going to make the playoffs, what needs to improve on this roster? Like, what needs to happen for them to be comfortably in a playoff position come postseason? Well, the the easy answer is what needs to improve is everything. Like, that there isn't one area... <laughs> on this team where you look at it and go, you know what, this is like, aside from Manjapani, Backlund and Coleman, which I will protect with my life. um, uh, Aside from that, everything else, there's at least a touch of needs improvement. Kadri certainly um, goes in the category of guys who have probably reached what you thought they would. But I think defensively, there's a few too many breakdowns. Offensively, like I said, they shoot a bunch. There is no danger in there. And I think that's the first Mm -hmm. thing that you need to look at with this Flames team is just, create a few more high danger chances um, if you're going to, to be successful. Cause like you, you're having trouble scoring in the regular season that doesn't get easier in the playoffs. So the high danger chances tend to just go away as teams really lock it down in the, the postseason in the national hockey league. So you have to figure out now how you're going to create these chances because getting 47 shots on Jake Allen 
and five of them being high danger chances is not good enough unless you only want to play five games in the postseason. Um, defensively, there's obviously some things that, that could be tightened up. And I would like to see that the guys on the blue line step in and be a bit more active offensively. We saw it the other night with Noah Hannafin setting up the, the Andrew Mangiapane goal that definitely wasn't kicked in, apparently. Um, <laughs> like, like, Weger. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, it, 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 close enough, right? Um, but uh, Mackenzie Weger, like, I, I think that we are just scratching the surface on what that kid can do. Same thing with Rasmus Anderson, but I've been saying that about Rasmus for four years now. Maybe this is just him offensively. But there, there are just there are guys on this team who I think there's a bit more that they could offer offensively to, to help create a few more of those chances. And then it feels like kind of fish in a barrel here. Goaltending needs to be better. Um, Markstrom had a few very nice saves, but like I don't think either of those Heedle goals should have been goals the other night. Um, you could cherry pick a whole lot of other ones. Ladar has been exactly what you could ask for, but I think when you look at the the guy who is supposed to be the number one goaltender on this team, that needs to be something that improves as well. And maybe it improves with defense, but I think you look at basically everything on this Flames team, save for five or six guys and there is another level that they can all get to. There's a lot of underachievement going on this season with guys that we know have different levels or, you know, ways that they can improve. Uyghur is an interesting one to me because when the trade happened, I looked at the way he was used in Florida and, you know, he scores goals and he has, you know, he had decent stat lines and he wasn't even the offensive guy on his pair. And I was very interested in, you know, maybe there's an untapped offensive ability that we're going to see with Mackenzie Weger in Calgary because he's no longer going to be, you know, the guy that's kind of supposed to be the stabilizing presence with a more offensive defenseman. Maybe now Weger can be the guy who can step up and step into the zone and make some plays and have a good pinch because when you watch him you watch some of his highlights in florida he's got a great wrist shot he's got a good shot he's good offensive instincts we haven't quite seen that translate this season in calgary and part of me wonders if that's just the way that he's being used with the flames maybe it's a bit of this adjustment period that we keep talking about ad nauseum with the trade that happened in the summer you know these things take time we know that but that was one of the things that i've been kind of you know curious about is i, I expected a little bit more offense from weaker and the thing, too, he can skate. And with the puck, yeah. like, he looks comfortable skating with he's the so puck. He's so good right? in like, transition. Oh, man, he's unreal. And, like, I remember one of the first couple of games of the season. Um, I don't know if it was game one against Colorado, but it was one of the first games of the year. He just went end-to-end like it was nothing. Like, there was nothing could bother this man. And he just weaved through everyone and created an opportunity. It's like, oh, they got something here. And mm-hmm. that was, like, one of eight times he's done it all year. Like, that there's... There is something there, and you're right. I, I don't know if it's just he's being asked uh, a bit more defensively. Um, while Daryl Sutter has a, a lot of um, high points, I don't know if unlocking the offensive potential of his defenseman is really up there. So I, I don't know if it's a system thing or or what it is. But yeah, like I, I just I, I see what he can do, and it's just like you know what, just do it a little bit more. But that that kind mm-hmm. of goes for everyone, right? Like we're not we're not asking like Lucic to score fifty. Or anything like that. Like, just play, play to your hockey DB page, and this team will be very, very good. Yeah, absolutely. The The last one I'll cherry pick on you uh, from you, Peter, is the high danger scoring chance. I know that's something that, you know, sometimes we can talk about that and it sounds, you know, people's eyes can glaze over. It's like I don't want to listen to underlying numbers and advanced analytics, but I think 
it's a real thing. This is a team that doesn't really get into those spots where it's easier to score goals, right? And and I found this very interesting. So Stephen Valaket, he's a former NHLer. He launched ClearSight Analytics, which is a private, um, you know, data firm, and he posts you know, a snapshot of the game reports on his Twitter after every game that the Rangers play because he does some stuff with MSG Network um, and he works and, and, you know, does lots of Rangers stuff. And he posted the chances in the high danger, mid and low percentage from that Rangers Flames game. That was so fun. It's 5-4. You know, it's a fun game. One of the best of the season, et cetera, et cetera. The Flames had 5% of their chances were high danger. The Rangers, 10% of their chances were high danger in all situations. So you can just imagine if they can like do a little bit better getting out of those like low to mid range shots and just get to the middle or get to the net front, get into the inner slot a little bit more. You know, you score four goals and most of your chances are mid or low percent. You know, what could happen if they can just get a little bit further, <laughs> further inside, get a little bit closer to the net, see what happens. Totally, right? Because like, you look at the, the Coleman goal the other night. Manchapani just kind of backs his way into the front of the net, a couple cracks at it, and it goes in. Like If you put the puck close to the net, a lot of things can happen. It can go off of a skate that, again, definitely wasn't kicking. And it can go in. It, it can bounce off of a, a stick and go in. Like Get to those high-danger opportunities. And sometimes weird things happen, and the puck just goes in. And I... I, I'm with you or sometimes like you, you want to like you see all of these stats and I, I love all of it and just like give me as much information as possible and you hear people like oh I don't care about that just need a guy who gets to the, the tough areas like where do you think the high danger chances come from it's not easy <laughs> to get them that's why teams defend those spots so I, I always find the, the pushback on that weird like I just want someone who's gritty well it's like you can you can do that and then get to the front of the net and look at that we have both things now wouldn't that be lovely and it's just like I <laughs> For, for this Flames team, uh, again, like you have Toffoli, who has a very good shot. I think Manjapani is still kind of finding his a little bit, um, and, and Kadri can have one. And aside from that, like, it, it's the, the best way this team can score is, yeah, for sure, put pucks on the net, but have a couple of guys around there who can kind of create some havoc, create some second-chance opportunities, and then go from there. It's like they, they have the first step, they want the third step, and the second one is just right there, and for some reason they just don't do it. But, yeah, if they can, if they can up that even a couple percentage points, then all of a sudden some of these one-goal games that you're losing turn into wins, and wins are good. Mm-hmm. Pani had a career year last year, and if you did a little spray chart, you watched where he scored most of his goals. That is a guy who works, and he has a nose for the net, and he scores a lot when he's in tight, and that's, that's the high-danger stuff right there. Uh, but thanks for this, Peter. We'll have to do this again. I, I appreciated all the, the time and the insight on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. We'll come on uh, anytime you need. Awesome. Sounds great. There goes Peter Klein uh, from Daily Hive Calgary on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. The Guest Hotline is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast or have takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. We're going to go for a quick break, and coming up next, we'll take a look at the Detroit Red Wings with Max Boltman here on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome back to Hockey Central. Final segment of the show, and we are going to go 
right back to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. We are wasting no time at all here because Max Boltman is joining us now. He is the Detroit Red Wings writer at The Athletic. He's going to scout the enemy a little bit for us. Max, what's up? I'm just hanging out watching the uh, NBA trade deadline pass and uh, wondering when we will get a day like this in the NHL. Oh, I know. Uh, While we were all waiting to get the rest of the return in the Tarasenko deal, you know, it was just like, ooh, there's a first-round pick. Oh, Sammy Blay is also involved. Oh, there might be salary retention. And while we're waiting for, like, all of the details to come out, there was, like, six deals in the NBA. It's like, ah, seems fun over there. Yeah, it just doesn't seem fair, does it? I personally am fine with it. Um, I know that one of our NBA editors slept for probably three hours yesterday. Um, And so it's seeing people who work in the NBA having to do that that makes me not – I'm not that jealous. You know, I slept last night. I had a good night's sleep. That's a good point. (laughs) I like my sleep. Just think. Yeah. We we went to bed at, you know, 10, 11 p.m., not 3. So be careful what you wish for, Max. Good point. Might Good be, point. <laughs> might be too lazy for NBA trade deadline. I'm talking about myself, not you. <laughs> when we're looking at too. that's all good. <laughs> yeah, all good. Uh, sounds like the story of the day in Detroit is that Philip Zadina is in. Dominic Kubalik is scratched. What does this mean for the Red Wings and this matchup tonight against the Flames? Yeah, I think the main thing is that they wanted to get Zadina in. He missed a lot of time, uh, lower body body injury, really just getting back in. And then he's he's been practicing, he's been active. And I think they just decided, okay, you know, they have this long break. It's, it's time to now get him into the lineup. Uh, the, the big story is kind of Kubelik, I guess, being the one to get scratched. But he, he's a guy who's kind of cooled down a little bit after he had that really hot start. Um, he, you can kind of see it coming yesterday. He he wasn't practicing on either of the power play units, which is where he, you know, really can do a lot of his damage. So if he's not on that power play, it doesn't make sense to cycle in a guy like Zadina and get him some reps. I, I think Kubelik will get back in. But in terms of the Flames, it, the Red Wings are not a team that scores easy goals. And Kubelik is one of the few guys on their team who, who has that shooting talent. Um, and so I think that's probably the – the big takeaway there is, you know, I think the Red Wings probably are are taking out one of their few guys who can score in in an, in an instant there in, in Kubalik. How would you describe this Detroit team this year, Max? I mean, they've improved, but maybe not quite. Maybe they're not quite good enough yet. Like, what do you make of the 2023 Detroit Red Wings? I think you said it all right there. It, it, it's an improved team, probably not as improved as. Uh, they need to be. I, I don't think they're going to be able to uh, make a, a serious playoff push here, but I think it, it doesn't take away from the fact that they're better. It just means, you know, it, it's not the, the big leap, right, that, that people around here have been waiting for uh, that, that ultimately puts them back in, into that playoff conversation. I think, um, you know, they, I think they've emerged from that real bottom tier where you find the Columbuses, the Arizonas, the Anaheims. Um, but now is kind of the, hey, the, the next step is probably the hardest one of, of getting to or at least the second hardest one, I guess, getting that elite tier is the toughest. But um, it, it only gets harder, I guess, is the point. And so they're they're now seeing what is it going to take to get to that next rung and uh, a lot of questions there still. Is this a team that at least has the identity of a group that is going to try to outwork you? Like they might not have, 
you know, the same talent when they're lining up against certain teams, certain, you know, playoff contenders. And, um, and certainly there is talent on the Red Wings, but, you know, they might not be the most skilled team. They might not score the most goals, but it seems like they at least have the identity of, of a group that's at least going to try to outwork you in a game. Does that seem pretty fair? Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the defensive identity is what Derek Malone has preached since day one. That's the kind of hockey he wants to play. Uh, I know that'll sound pretty familiar, I think, uh, to your yeah. listeners up there. So uh, maybe take the under tonight if you're if you're betting this one. Sounds very exciting. 2-1 hockey game. That's my bet. Yeah, that's pretty much – That's pretty much. Uh, I mean, that's what they're going for. Right? They don't score easy. They want to limit what you can do. You know, the other night it ends up a 5-2 loss to the Oilers. One of those is an empty net or one of those is a late – uh, power play goal that, that the Oilers get, right? Like it, it's pretty much a 3-2 game is is what the run of play was, and, and that's what they feel is their recipe. If they have it in that wheelhouse, some nights they're going to get you 3-2, some nights you're going to get them 3-2, but those are the games that they feel. Um, like that's that's when they're playing their best hockey is when they're not giving up much. Um, and, and if they can avoid the, the odd man rushes, and, and obviously Edmonton was able to capitalize on a couple of those situations, that's how they're going to succeed. So that's who they want to be. It's pretty much who they have to be. I think with the with the group they have, they don't have the the sheer offensive talent to to try to do it the way that Buffalo has done it, and probably a much more uh, fun product to to be coming out of a rebuild with. But um, I, I think they they do feel like they can be successful that way. So you had a story out on the Athletic today about Tyler Batuzzi looking more like himself for this team coming off that injury. He, like Dylan Larkin, needs a new contract this summer. What do you make of Bertuzzi's situation heading into the deadline, Max? Well, it's interesting because you know the, the platform year tends to be so important in any new contract, or if, if there's not going to be a new contract in you know the, the trade market. And his platform year has been. Uh, riddled with injuries, he, he's missed almost you know more than uh, half of the season. I think he's only played 17, 18 games for the Red Wings, and they haven't been consecutive, right? They've been in, in spurts and fits, and then he gets hurt. He's taken two pucks to two different hands, I think, and and missed time on those. And so he hasn't really done much of anything. And and so now you're sitting in the situation, you go, well, you know, the trade market probably declines as a result of that and so does the kind of the the confidence you have in going to the long-term contract well with somebody who's been injured like that um and, and hasn't really played up to their reputation when they've been in their their history when they've been in i think that's why it was so big to see bertuzzi have probably his best game of the year the other night and, and in practice this week too he's just looked more like the, the bertuzzi of old and so to me like that's the big story of the next three weeks is other than you know the obvious one that I'm sure we'll get to in a second, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it's what's going to happen with uh, with Bertuzzi, and, and if, if he looks like himself, I could certainly see a contender saying, "Hey, that's a 30 goal scorer who plays with some toughness, who adds a different element, um, and and potentially getting traded." If that doesn't work out, you know, but he looks like himself, and at least you can maybe see a, a way, a path for him to kind of okay circle back with Detroit and see you know, what can be done there. But, you know, he's a guy who's kind of waited and waited and waited to have his big contract. He's done the bridge deal over and over again. Um, and I think it's probably time for him to get the real contract here. I don't, you know, maybe the the way the season's worked out means it has to go another short thing. But, um, I, you know, I, I would think that if, if he reestablishes himself, it opens up a lot more possibilities for everyone involved. So I guess the obvious one, 
that you expect me to talk about is Dylan Larkin. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> is is he more of a safe bet to stay in Detroit, Max? Like I know people have kind of come to expect the unexpected sometimes with uh, Steve Eiserman. He keeps things pretty locked down. I mean, he's made trades of, you know, kind of core pieces before. Nobody of Dylan Larkin's caliber, at least in the last five, six years. But I do think there are some people looking at it like, do you trade Dylan Larkin at the deadline if you don't have a deal considering where the Red Wings are? Or do you just wait regardless of that because it's your captain, it's Dylan Larkin, and you want to be patient so you can keep him in Detroit? Right. And I, people are looking at it that way, both both perspectives. I think the biggest difference, though, is that Dylan Larkin has a full no-trade clause, right? And so, right. whereas with Bertuzzi, if, if, if it, it can really be as simple as, well, I can't risk losing him for nothing, with Dylan Larkin, it's, well, he has to sign off on it. And I think he wants to be a Red Wing. And so, you know, he and he and um, Detroit haven't come to a, an extension here. I think that there is obviously, they would like to both do something, but they're far apart and, and that, that makes it complicated. I, whenever you bring up the no trade clause, you're met with, well, he wouldn't want to go to a contender. And I, you know, I, I think that's probably a little reductive here. I think this is a complicated situation where it's, it, the no trade clause is also his best negotiating chip, arguably, right. Where right. you know he and the Red Wings, I think want to make this work and the Red Wings want to hold their line. That's the line he can hold. And so it does make it more complicated. I do not think he's going to get traded. You know, it, it I think it would have, something would have to, shift here from at least how I understand it over the next three weeks for that to happen. Um, but, but the big argument you'll hear from people is that, you know, well, the Red Wings can't, can't make that work. The, the truth is it's just not in their control the same way it is with, with their other pending UFAs. Do you think the eight-year contract for Bo Horvat that's reportedly worth $8.5 million because Lou Morello is not <laughs> said how much that contract <laughs> is actually worth at this time. Do you think that kind of sets a bar for a Dylan Larkin contract? Because those are pretty comparable players. Totally. And I think, you know, you look at the, the histories there, and if you're Dylan Larkin, you, you have to look at that and say, well, then I should get at least that, if not more, right? And, and he he's has the better resume than, than Bo Horvath. He is a year younger. And so, I, you know, I, I think that should set that bar. And I think probably the complication here is, you know, Steve Eiserman looks at it and he's not bound to necessarily live by anything in the way that an arbitration case would be. And I think um, every bit of evidence says that's what should happen. And yet if it doesn't, then, you know, where do you go from there? And I think that that's kind of the, uh, the, the rub right now here is, you know, Lula Morello said about that contract. I think he was mostly kidding, but, but it kind of was that truth to it of, too long and it's too much money that the center market has clearly shifted from what general managers feel good about. And this feels like a situation where, you know, maybe the Red Wings want to hold their line and, and maybe Larkin's uh, side of things feels like, well, Hey, but everything says it should be this. And so that, that to me seems like where the dynamic is. Seems like Bertuzzi and Larkin are the big ones to keep an eye on. Uh, very quickly, Max, we have about two minutes left in the show. Is there anything else that we need to be aware of heading into this matchup tonight between the Flames and the Red Wings? Uh, the only other thing would be, I guess, Robert Haig is going to get into for the first time in a while uh, in for Jordan Osterley. He, he kind of brings the, the hard element that I think the Red Wings feel like they're going to need against the Flames as they prepare for what Calgary brings to the table, obviously. And so uh, that would probably be the last the last little nugget to throw in, the last thing to know. Um, and, and, you know, you expect he'll play 
on the third pair, but he, he does bring a little bit of that physical element. And again, maybe, maybe a little bit of that rough and tumble flavor we expect here. Not, not the high fly in hockey. All right. Great stuff. I can't wait to watch the two one hockey game, Max. Thanks for this. <laughs> I really sold that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Everyone's very excited now. Thank you. There goes uh, Max Voltman on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline, and that's all the time we have on the show today here on Hockey Central. We've got lots more Flames content coming up. We're going to have some Flames talk, then your Flames pregame and puck drop at 5 p.m. here on Sports at 960 The Fan, your home of the Flames.